The Lady Parts Doctor podcast is a health podcast focusing on issues that affect women and those assigned female at birth. However, it is for everyone. This is our safe place to talk about the things that matter to you involving your spiritual, mental, and physical health. It's not medical advice. It's medical information. We talk and I give you the evidence with a little of my personal and professional experience sprinkled in. So sit back, relax, grab your water, green tea, coffee, wine, whatever it is, and let's go. Welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I am Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and I am so happy that you are joining me today. You know, I really, truly feel at my best when we were having these conversations, so I'm happy that we're having them. Last week, we talked about mental health conditions during postpartum, during pregnancy, and we couched it all under the topic of maternal mental health because this is Maternal Mental Health Awareness Month. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. We are really focusing on these issues that I'm so happy that we have a space and a forum and a platform to be able to discuss them. As you know, in many communities, especially in the black and brown communities, these issues are taboo. People wanna tell you to just get over it, just deal with it, because many of us within the communities have never actually dealt with the repercussions of these mental health conditions to be able to have a good sense of the good sense of the gravity of them and the importance of really taking the time and the space that we need to shine a light on and focus on maternal mental health and mental health in general. So I'm happy that we've had the ability to discuss that. And I kind of teased that this week we would be taking it a step further and talking a bit more about um, the different treatments for mental health conditions and maternal mental health. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I don't know if you saw that I was able to go and it was great to be able to speak on Fox 5 DC about maternal mental health. You know, I am kind of in the thick of it, just coming off of that experience and, you know, still, still having my mental health concerns powering through as a mom, a mom of three, a working mom. I hesitate when I say working mom because really, if you're taking care of your children, that is a lot of work. You are a working mom, but you're a working at home mom. And you know, I guess I am also a working at home mom and a working mom and an entrepreneur starting and building my business. So it's a lot. And I have these conversations with you because I know that you are also going through this or you know people who are going through this. And so there's such great information we can share. And there's really just a great opportunity for us to just know that we are not alone and we are all having these experiences and to really be a support for one another. In this episode, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the treatments. Now remember, and I just have to say this, we talk about things and I'm giving you information. I am not your doctor. 
I am, when I have this, I am a doctor, but I'm just a doctor discussing with you information about things that are out there. And I really want this just to be a base for you to be able to continue these conversations with your trusted healthcare provider. Okay. And for you to be able to, again, share with someone who you think this information might be helpful for. With that said, and what you may be wondering is how do I protect myself from developing mental health conditions during pregnancy, during postpartum. And some of the conditions that we discussed in last week's podcast, they're not avoidable. You know, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about postpartum depression and depression during pregnancy. We talked about anxiety. We talked about um, postpartum psychosis. We briefly discussed schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder. We talked about baby blues. So we talked about a lot of things. And if you need a refresher or you missed it, go back and listen to last week's episode. But there are some things that you can do to decrease your risk of developing a maternal mental health condition. Many of them require one thing, a good support system. A good support system is worth its weight in gold and then some. First, You need to practice some good sleep hygiene whenever possible. And this one is really, really hard. If you have a family member or friend that you trust, and I'm going to put the emphasis on that you trust, who is able to come and assist you for a little while to ensure that you get as much sleep as possible, let them do it. Okay, if you have that support, lean on that support. Let them do it. This is not the time to be self-reliant and to turn people away that are trying to help you. Again, that you trust. If you are able to hire someone to come and watch the baby overnight so you can get a good night's sleep, do it. They have several different names for that. And there are several different people that do that. You might've heard like a newborn nurse or a night nurse. There are postpartum doulas who will be available to assist you during the day or at night. If you can afford to do that, do that. That was some advice that I got. Um, otherwise you might not get a good night's sleep for the first five weeks. Well, what are some other ways to practice good sleep hygiene postpartum? Because not everybody's getting a night nurse or a postpartum doula, not everybody is able to do that. Many people are happy to give you tips, but not all of them are feasible for a newly postpartum mom or birthing person. Tips like be consistent don't apply because there is nothing consistent about a newborn, nothing other than inconsistency. You know, well, let's see, there's consistent crying, like the crying every couple of hours, I guess you could call that consistent. The blowouts, (laughs) those might be consistent. But other than that, there's nothing really consistent about a newborn. People will also tell you, and this was advice that even with my third baby, people love to give me, sleep when the baby sleeps. And that advice is almost impossible if you have other children under your care. If you only have one child, yes, you might be able to sleep when the baby sleeps because even though you have other things to do, like you're probably wanting to clean or do some work or, you know, I say do some work because I was just speaking with someone who was like, I'm itching (laughs) to do some work, but whatever it is that you want to do, you can kind of prioritize. But when you have other children, 
You have to focus on the other children too. Everybody needs to feel loved. Everybody needs to feel cared for and supported and to feel your presence. So what I want to do is just share a few tips with you that are helpful for good sleep hygiene postpartum when you have more than one child. One, set the scene. In order to get some sleep, you need a place where you feel comfortable sleeping. I mean, it sounds really simple, but I want you to look around. You might not be in a place or your sleeping place might not be a place where you feel comfortable sleeping. If you need it to be dark, make sure it can be dark. You are going to be trying to get sleep whenever wherever you can. And if you can get to a bedroom that you have set up, that's great. You're gonna be trying to sleep during the daytime and at night, and this is the perfect time to buy those blackout curtains that have been sitting in your shopping cart forever. Just hit add to cart if you haven't added them, and then just buy now, just buy them. If you need it to be quiet, buy those noise-reducing headphones. You will find many uses for them in the weeks to come, in the weeks and the years to come. And better than buying these things, add them to your registry. You don't need to buy these things when there are other people who are more than happy to buy them and feel like they did something for you. And you need items that are just for you on that list. Everything should not just be for the baby. So add those things. If you need that mask, that maybe cooling mask that also doubles as a mask to block out the light. Put that on your registry, okay? And I know somebody is on there just looking for something that is just for you and they will get that for you. And if for some reason people don't purchase that item for you, many of these registries will give you a discount in the end. So that's a nice way to get a discount on the item. Two, go device free. Remove electronic devices, other than a baby monitor, from your bedroom. Anything that will take your attention away from sleeping when you really need to be sleeping has to go. It has to go. I will tell you, (laughs) I think especially this third time around, There were times where I would just be scrolling on social media longer. Like, you know, now I'm on it more because I also need to see what other people are doing, what's trending for conversations, because that gives us kind of a jumping off point for some of our conversations. And so it's just an excuse for me to be scrolling. But I can already tell you there have been so many times where I really should be sleeping. And yet here I am still on social media. So go device free. Three. Watch what you consume. And no, this has nothing to do with restricting your diet and it has everything to do with paying attention to the schedule around the things that you consume. So really it should be watch the clock while you consume. Maybe that would be a better title. Things like caffeine, alcohol, and large meals should be avoided before your longest nap or sleep. And you may wanna cut them out altogether when you're not getting a lot of sleep because you want the sleep to be of the best quality possible when you are able to get it. And four, get moving. I know you're already exhausted, but physical activity is necessary for a rested, healthy body. And getting some exercise is going to make you rest even better 
when you actually get a chance to rest. Now, these might not all be doable and especially not all at the same time. Like get moving is important really the entire time, but it might be harder to do or to get moving, like to get out and take a walk or something like that in your first week postpartum. But by four weeks postpartum, you should be able to get outside and go for a walk. And really before that, you just have to like look at the list, pick and choose what works for you. And we're really trying to just, you know, get you some information to help you set up some good sleep hygiene. We're going to take a quick break right now. And this is a reminder that wherever you're listening, please go and leave a positive review if you're enjoying the show. If for some reason you're not enjoying the show, send me a message and let me know what we could do to make this more interesting, more educational, and more entertaining for you. All right, now back to the show. Continuing on the topic of support, find a formal or informal support group. An informal support group is like a group of your friends who understand what you're going through, either because they've been there before or they're currently in the trenches with you. And those are like the best ones. And I don't mean to make a war reference, but the struggle is real. And it really feels like you're battling the world for some resemblance of your pre-baby life. It does. Your support group is non-judgmental, or at least they're the same kind of judgmental as you. So if you know that so-and-so is going to make comments about whether or not you are breastfeeding or chest feeding your baby and you don't want to hear that, that's not the person for your support group. If you know that so-and-so is going to be judging you because your baby food is not organic, that is not your support group. Okay, no need for the judgment. You just want people that you can get in there, you can vent, you can celebrate all of the things. You want people who are going to be on that same maternal vibe as you are. Like, you get what I'm saying here? That's your informal group. In addition to a support group, You can find support in the form of a therapist if you need it, a therapist who can provide an objective opinion about your mental status. And ideally, this is someone you were seeing before or during your pregnancy. This takes some of the stress off having to find a new therapist postpartum when you're already busy. However, you may have to find someone postpartum and that's fine too. A good therapist can help assess where you are and encourage you to seek additional treatment if necessary. And of note, even a good therapist that you've had before won't necessarily be a good fit for all subjects. And it's okay if you don't want to discuss your postpartum concerns with your current therapist. You will need to find someone with whom you feel comfortable sharing your concerns so you can be open and honest and receive the treatment that you need. With that said, I also think it's great to, if you have someone close to you in your life, a partner, a friend, a family member who just knows you, to just tell them even before the baby comes, like, hey, just check on me. If I don't seem like myself, let me know. I am all about advocacy here on the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. And having someone that can advocate for you to you 
is really necessary because when you're dealing with these maternal mental health conditions, you are not yourself. And I really want to stress that you are not yourself. Okay. And we'll come back to that. Despite obtaining excellent support, some people will still need medication. These may be prescribed by an obstetrician who is comfortable prescribing medications like antidepressants or a psychiatrist. The most common antidepressants prescribed postpartum are serotonergic reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, which work by increasing serotonin, your body's feel-good hormones, (laughs) levels in the brain. Serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRIs, also keep the levels of norepinephrine high and the levels of serotonin high, and they work to regulate your mood and relieve depression. These medications are not without side effects, and it's important to discuss them thoroughly with your healthcare provider. SSRIs and SNRIs are not the only medications available. There are also antipsychotics, antiepileptics, and more. And you may start a new medication or resume something you were on before you got pregnant. If you're concerned about starting something because you may want to try to get pregnant again, make sure to discuss that with your healthcare provider as well, because we don't always change medications during pregnancy, especially if what you're taking is improving your symptoms. Now, I have to mention this because you may have heard of it. In 2019, the FDA approved an IV medication for treatment of postpartum depression in adult women, and it's called Zoloresso. You may remember an article about a certain healthcare company withholding its use from patients. Maybe you read that. This was the first drug specifically approved for treatment of postpartum depression. And as far as I know, at this point, three years later... Oh my gosh, four years later, 2019 was four years ago. As far as I know, it's the only one that exists at this point. Despite its approval, it is a difficult medication to access for multiple reasons. First, it's administered via IV over a 60-hour transfusion. You heard me right. Not a six-hour, a six-zero-hour transfusion. This requires an overnight stay in the hospital or wherever you are receiving it. So if that's a special treatment center, you got to be there for 60 hours. Two, it's only available through a restricted program that requires the drug be administered by a healthcare provider in a certified healthcare facility. Well, as you can imagine, not a ton of healthcare providers have gone through this certified healthcare program to be able to administer this medication. Three, there is a risk of serious harm. There's a risk of side effects and a risk of serious harm due to the sudden loss of consciousness, which requires that patients be monitored. And then last, it's unclear if the drug continues to be effective after 30 days. It was shown to be more effective than placebo treatment in the studies. And last thing, that the real last thing, which I didn't mention, is it's expensive. I'm sure you already know this, but it is an expensive medication to access. So I just wanted to mention that so that you know it is out there. How do you identify someone who might have a maternal mental health condition, specifically postpartum depression? There is something called the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale, and it's a 10-item self-report measure designed to screen for postnatal depression. It's widely used and administered during the postpartum period, 
We give it during postpartum visits, or you can also receive it when you visit the pediatrician, because that's another opportunity as a healthcare provider for us to see you and interact with you and really assess how you're doing. Let's go through some of the questions on that depression scale. The first question, I have felt happy. And your potential responses are yes, all the time. Yes, most of the time. No, not very often. No, not at all. And that would mean like I have felt happy most of the time during the past week. So you should really think about how you're feeling over the past seven days when you answer this and not just how you feel today. Because as we've discussed, you are going to have a lot of ups and downs during this postpartum period, especially the initial postpartum period. Okay, so let's try another one. I have been able to laugh and see the funny side of things as much as I always could. Not quite so much now. Definitely not so much now. Not at all. I have looked forward with enjoyment to things as much as I ever did, rather less than I used to, definitely yes, less than I used to, hardly at all. I have blamed myself unnecessarily when things went wrong. Yes, most of the time. Yes, some of the time. Not very often. No, never. I have been anxious or worried for no good reason. No, not at all. Hardly ever. Yes, sometimes. Yes, very often. I have felt scared or panicky for no very good reason. Yes, quite a lot. Yes, sometimes. No, not much. No, not at all. And you can kind of see in the line of these questionings that some of these questions you will answer yes to, and some of them you won't. But if you find that your answer to most of these questions is like, yes, yeah, definitely a lot, then that definitely warrants a conversation with your healthcare provider. And that is how we identify people who might need additional support. Postpartum is a time of many, many emotions. And how you feel today is going to be different from how you feel tomorrow. And that's just how it is. Feeling sad doesn't necessarily mean you have a mental health condition, but continuous sadness should prompt a conversation with your healthcare provider. Remember, having a mental health condition does not make you a bad parent. Getting the help you need makes you a better parent for your baby and a better person for you. And ultimately, you want to enjoy this period and you want to look back and have good memories about this period. And so focusing on maternal mental health and getting you the support that you need is really the goal so you can enjoy this time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, I am going to be going 
live on Instagram later today at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, May 17th. And I'm going to be joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Taya Qualls. She is a doctor of physical therapy. She provides pelvic floor and pre and postnatal physical therapy. And she is also a birth doula. So we're going to have an interesting conversation about postpartum. It is always a great time. And before you go, make sure to subscribe to the blog, the podcast, the YouTube channel. If you want to connect with me, you can connect with me in all of those places. But also you can connect with me on Instagram. Send me a message. DM me at ladypartsdoc, L-A-D-Y-P-A-R-T-S-D-O-C. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on TikTok. I'm in all the places. And if you have any questions, stories, or ideas you want to share, you can email me. I know some people think email is dead, but I'm a big emailer. You can email me, Dr. Hack, D-R-H-A-C-K, at ladypartsdoctor.com. Until next time. Thank you.